All right, welcome everybody to the new Prospects and Pros podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Putman, and kind of on this podcast, what we're going to be doing, looking at the MLB, looking at the minor leagues, probably a little bit more in-depth in the minor leagues, prospects, um, but we're also going to be looking at the big league teams, seeing who can impact them, and let's just get right into it. So the first episode is going to be talking about the biggest potential guys on the top 100 prospects list and for the future. We'll go by position, and we're just going to look at guys that I think have the best potential to succeed and to, you know, just be stars in the big leagues. And I'm not necessarily looking at guys, like if you look at the top of the prospect list right now, you've got like Jordan Walker, Jackson Churio, Jackson Holiday. I'm not just going to go all chalk, go like 1 through 10, the best player at each position. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to try to do, I'm going to find, try to find those guys that maybe are a little bit lower and that I think have crazy potential. And we're going to highlight those guys in today's episode. My schedule, I'm probably going to try to upload one to two times a week. But let's go ahead and start off with catcher. So at catcher, of the top 100 prospects, there are, I believe, about 10. If you look at the top catcher list on MLB.com, which is where I'll be mostly getting all my information from this, MLB Pipeline Podcast, if you never listened to that, it's a very good podcast. But all of the top 10 catchers in the top 100, and I think that's where it cuts off. Edgar Caro is at number 10, and he is at 89 in the top 100 prospects list. We do have two that just got added at 9900, Austin Wells and Jefferson Cuero. But for catcher, the guy I'm going to be focusing on today with the most, I think, kind of hidden potential that not a lot of people are talking about. If you look down this list, you got Edgar Caro, Ethan Salas, Dalton Rushing, Bo Naylor, Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, Logan O'Hoppy, Harry Ford, Kevin Prada, and Diego Cartai, respectively, from 10 to 1. The guy that I really think he could really be a star in the future, a little bit farther down this list, is Indy Rodriguez. I, um... I think a lot of people have been talking about Logan Ohapi lately. He's probably one of my favorite players in the whole MLB. I love Ohapi, but I think a guy that's kind of flown under the radar is Indy Rodriguez. A bunch of people have been talking about Henry Davis, rightfully so, number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, number six catching prospect. I believe he's number three on the Pirates list. But, excuse me, Rodriguez, not Davis. I mean, he's been hitting... Up until this year, he's had a little bit of a struggle this year, the 235, 336, 412 slash line with a 748 OPS. But I think he's had a couple of injury issues. He's just starting to get back playing. And I think Andy Rodriguez, he has some versatility, so if you're the Pirates, you can stick him anywhere you want. Their catching hasn't, I mean, it hasn't been great this year. Austin Hedges... He's a very good defensive catcher, you know, but he's not the kind of guy that's just going to blow you up with his offensive skills. Andy Rodriguez has above-average hitting, above-average power. I think both of those tools could end up being plus one day. A career 296 average in the minor leagues with 48 homers. He had 25 homers last year in 125 games. That's more than enough power production to be I mean, perennial all-star. You look at a bunch of the guys that are all-stars pretty much every year, and they don't even put up that sort of number. He's pretty athletic for a catcher. He stole he's stolen a few bases. He's stolen four bases this year in 30 games. His fielding is all right, but again, if you're not trying to put pressure on him just to be the catcher, he has versatility. If you stick him at second base, that's not a lot of um, 
pressure on his glove or anything. And his arm, he has an above-average arm, so he could even stick at catcher. But I, you look at Andy Rodriguez, I think they're, the Pirates have a very young core, and I think he could even be maybe the um, kind of the center of their rebuild. Moving on to first base. Again, not a lot of guys at first base that just wow you. You looked at the top 10 list. Only two of them are top 100 prospects. By the time you get to about number five, these are just, they're okay players. Number 10, Spencer Horvitz of the Blue Jays. Number nine, Hunter Goodman of the Rockies. Eight, Nico Cavadas of the Red Sox. Seven, Xavier Isaac, notable first-round pick of the Rays. Ivan Melendez at six of the Diamondbacks. Grant Levine at five of the Rockies. Christian Encarnacion Strand of the Reds at number four. Matt Mervis at number three for the Cubs. Kyle Manzardo at number two for the Rays. And Tyler Soderstrom at one for the Athletics, who can also play catcher. Um, So, I think... If you're looking at upside, because this is what we're doing in this episode, it's a um, we're talking about upside, who has the most potential one day, and I mean looking at five through ten, I don't really see much. Horwitz has a forty-five grade. The re- the rest of them, um, so does Goodman, Cavadas, Isaac, Melendez, and Levine. Only the top four have BA grades, or excuse me, not BA grades, but just overall grades of even a 50, which is about a solid average regular. You know, um, the guy I think I'm going to pick here is Kyle Manzardo. Kyle Manzardo has kind of flown under the radar. I really think, you know, coming out of college at Washington State, Kyle Manzardo was a little bit overlooked. He went in the second round, 63 to the Rays. And he really just took off last year. 327 average between two teams. He got... He would put up basically the same production in Montgomery and Double A as he did at Bowling Green and High A. Much smaller sample size, but ended up hitting 22 homers in the year. Even stole a base. Very good production for Manzardo. And you know, at first base, the Rays you have Yandy Diaz, but eventually he's not the greatest fielder. You can put him at DH. Kyle Manzardo knocking at the door at Triple A. 261 average for Triple A Durham with an 880 OPS is very good and a 514 slugging percentage. He has. Eight homers in the year. He's drawn quite a fair share to walks. He only has in his career 88 walks compared to 106 strikeouts. It's a very good ratio. Kyle Manzardo is a guy I think that the Rays can definitely build off of. Maybe not as a cornerstone, but with guys like – he doesn't have to be the cornerstone. With guys like Wander Franco and Curtis Mead and people like that, Kyle Manzardo could be a sneaky good. Kind of a guy like um at first base – like a contact hitting, but he also has some power in that bat. So I almost envision, like, I wouldn't say Freddie Freeman, but with the lefty, with throws right, I almost see something like that. He's not the greatest fielder, but you don't have to be at first base. He just has that great feel for hitting that I think is going to put him right in there in the middle of that Rays lineup. So we're going to go Kyle Manzardo at first base. Okay, so moving on to second base, I think I'm going to actually go off the top 100 prospects list here. There's some interesting names, but I don't see any that really pop out as much as a couple down near the bottom of the list. Um, obviously, Termar Johnson at number one has huge upside, but I'm kind of going for more of those sleeper guys. And for this sleeper pick, I think I've got to pick Justin Foscue. Also interesting guys in Nick York. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Nick York. Nick York is still a great hitter, as we saw in his 2021 season. But... um. 
Justin Foskey is very interesting. I almost picked Zach Geloff here. Um, but he was, he's not on a good team. I think it could eventually pan out. I really, really like Zach Geloff. But I'm going to go with Foskey here. Kind of a hometown kid. Went to Grissom High School. Went to um, uh, Mississippi State. Not Texas A&M. He climbed at the minors kind of quietly. I think he's been on the top 100 prospect list before, but he's never really hit badly anywhere he's went. Um, in rookie ball for three games, 273, it doesn't really matter. But Hickory got sent straight to high A in his draft year, hit 296 in 33 games. He struggled a little bit at Frisco, but came back last year and hit 288 with an 850 OPS and 15 homers and walked quite a bit. This year he has more walks and strikeouts. He has five stolen bases, so he can clearly run a little bit. He's a 40-runner, but... You know, he's not really looking to be that great of a runner at being at second base. 270 average, 383 on base, 465 slugging for an 848 OPS. That's very good numbers at Round Rock for AAA against the highest level of competition besides the major leagues. In 42 games, he has five homers. He's The really impressive thing is he's walking more and he's striking out. A very positive sign there. I think Foskey could get the call to the major leagues pretty soon. I wouldn't be shocked if he could get that back on to the top 100 at some point. He's the only... He's the first of the second baseman listed on the top ten list that aren't on the top 100. Number five, He's number six. Number five is Connor Norby, who comes in, I believe, in the 80s. He is at, yeah, 86. So I feel like Justin Foscu probably, even within the next week, he could add to the top 100 prospects list if he's playing like this. The Rangers in their infield, they don't really need a second baseman. But at third base, if Ezekiel Duran, you want to maybe platoon him. I know they're both righties, but if you want to give Duran a day off or stick him at DH or something, because Foskey isn't necessarily the best fielder, go right ahead. I mean, Foskey, especially, we've shown he has shown that he can hit this year. I think he has pretty good upside in that bat. All right, sliding along to the hot corner. There's a lot of guys I like here at third base. Brady House at number seven is very interesting. He's had kind of a bounce back here at Fredericksburg in A-ball. Jordan Westberg, I really wanted to talk about Jordan Westberg. Jordan Westberg is one of the guys that nobody ever talks about. Nobody really ever says anything about Jordan Westberg with Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman. You also have guys like Colton Kowser, Grayson Rodriguez. But Jordan Westberg in that Orioles system I mean, he has a chance to be an all-star type player one day. This year, hitting 309 at Norfolk, a 975 OPS. But that's not who we're talking about. I also love Curtis Mead. He's out to a bit of a slow start at Durham. So what I'm going to talk about is Junior Caminero. Gone from just being on the top 100 prospects list. I think he came in. I don't even think he was on it to start the year. I think they added him. And then he's jumped up all the way to 60. Look at how this kid's been hitting. 350 on the year with high A. Remember, this kid is only 19, and, I mean, look at these stats. 350 with a 407 on base, 701 slugging with a 1.108 OPS. That's outlandish numbers. In 34 games, this isn't really a small sample size either. He's striking out a little bit, but, again, he's 19 and high A. This is advanced pitching. He has some speed. Um, he's stolen a couple bases this year. Nothing special, but... You see, um, and like even last year, with um, he hit a combined 314 with 882 OPS. The Cleveland Guardians usually do a pretty good job of bringing in prospects. Here's one they kind of missed out on, though. Junior Caminero. I think this guy has even like top overall prospect. Number one in all of baseball potential. He's just ripping the cover off the ball. Not to mention he's hit 11 home runs this year 
in 34 games. It's on an incredible pace. You put that in 162 games, and that's somewhere, yeah, about 52 homers. 52. I mean, it's crazy combined with the fact he's hitting 350. That's MVP-type numbers if he keeps it up. That's minor league player of the year numbers. I think this guy could rise. I mean, if he keeps doing this, he might rise into the top 20 for the end of the year. I think he could be number one at some point. Okay, so going to shortstop now. I'm just going to list the shortstops because there's so many of them. I'm just going to talk about each one for a second, and then we'll go into the one. Um, Jackson Holiday at three. Ellie De La Cruz at four. I love Ellie De La Cruz, by the way. He probably has the best upside, but again, we're looking for sleepers. Marcelo Meyer at five. Jordan Lawler at eight. Jackson Merrill at 14. Marco Luciano at 18. Noelvi Marte at 21, who I also like a lot. Brooks Lee at 23, Colson Montgomery 27, Edwin Arroyo at 33, Royce Lewis at 34, Mason Wynn at 38. Watch out for Mason Wynn. He's very talented. I think he could get a job with St. Louis this year, potentially. Zach Neto at 41, already in the bigs. Adele Amador at 53, Luis Agnello Acuna at 56, the brother of Ronald Acuna. He's been playing pretty well this year. So is Carson Williams at 57. Brian Rocchio at 61 has been playing out of his mind so far. Cole Young at 68. Joey Ortiz at 81, Sedane Rafaela at 84, although he's more of an outfielder, so we'll save him for the outfield list. Jet Williams at 88, Matt McClain at 92, Ronnie Mauricio at 94. But the guy I want to talk about, I think he's criminally underrated. I, the rankings don't necessarily show that, but it's number 53, Adele Amador. This kid, oh my goodness, he's so good, and nobody really talks about him. He was signed out of, I believe it was the Dominican Republic, I think so, in 2019, and in his rookie season, the COVID pandemic wiped out his rookie year, he played in the Arizona Complex League, hit 299 with 839 OPS in 47 games, hit four homers, walked almost as much as he struck out, stole 10 bases, okay, you're thinking he might have some high potential, comes out with Fresno last year, hits 292, about the same numbers, a little bit higher OPS, so 860, much bigger sample size, 115 games. It's 15 homers for a guy that's not known for his power. That's pretty good power production, I'd say. Um, walked 20 more times and struck out, stole 26 bases. He was ranked about 70th on the top 100 prospects list this, at that point. And then this year, Spokane and High A, he's only right now 20 years old. Small kid, six foot, 160 pounds. I mean, it's not a really tiny switch hitter, by the way, as well. Hitting 299, that matches his career best with um, the ACL Rockies. And an 880 OPS, he's raised it from the previous two years. Only 31 games so far, but eight homers, that's on pace to get way more than he had in his previous season. And I believe he hit three in one game, yes. Two days ago, he hit three homers, no, excuse me, five days ago, he hit three homers in one game, 12 total bases. In one game, raises batting average by 14 points just in that game alone. That that's crazy stuff. Three homers in a game for a kid that's not known for his power. I think we need to start looking at Adele Amador more and more. He's almost walked as much as he struck out yet again and stolen eight bases. I mean, I don't see what there's not to like about this guy. The Rockies. I know they have Ezekiel Tovar at the big league level right now, but Adele Amador could overtake. Maybe not overtake him, but at least maybe play on that infield. He is so good. All right, now for our three outfielders. So I'm just going to go in order of where they're ranked. 
At number nine is the guy I'm going to be looking at. They it kind of ruined it because they had him ranked at I think 42, but they bumped him up now, so he's not really a sleeper anymore. But it's Evan Carter. Evan Carter is so good. Um, kind of an unknown coming out of a Tennessee high school in 2020, second round pick. Everyone was like, who is this kid? But now <laughs> they know because he has lit the minor leagues on fire. Last year, hit 287 with Hickory within 100 games and an 864 OPS. 11 homers isn't the greatest, but, you know, 295 average is pretty good. And then they bumped him up to Frisco AA for a cup of coffee there. He had 429. This year he goes back, he's saying 294. It's been as high as, I think, 302 at one point. 834 OPS at the level. He's hit four homers. He's walking almost as much as he's striking out. He has that plate discipline. He had a great interview about a month or two ago on the MLB Pipeline podcast. It's really fun to listen to. It showed how if they were going to give him a strike, then he would swing. If they were going to give him a ball, then you just don't swing. It may sound really simple, but... It shows he has a great eye. He's not trying to do too much up there. Eight stolen bases already. He has the speed. He's, I mean, his power, I think the power will come along. <clears throat> Texas has done a very great job developing him, and he's done a great job developing in and of himself. He has great running. He's an above-average fielder, and he'll probably, I think he can play center. They might have to stick him in a corner outfield with Adolis Garcia. I think, actually, Adolis might be playing a corner outfield, but if but you want to stick Bubba Thompson out in center, fine. But Evan Carter could push him out of the way. Evan Carter is really, really good. Now moving on to our second outfielder. I'm going to drop down the list to number 45. We're going to go with Robert Hassel III, drafted by San Diego. He was included in that huge trade for... Juan Soto last year. He's been dropped by Pipeline. He was in the 20s, right? There was Zach Veen, who's now at 30, who I also could put on this list, but I'm not going to. Um, This year, he hit 192 in 14 games at Fredericksburg, but I think that was just coming back from injury or something. I don't know why they put him at A-ball, to be honest, but at Harrisburg, the higher level by two levels. He jumped back two levels to where he should have been at Harrisburg. He's in 319 with an 842 OPS. People have always kind of questioned his power, never really is hitting until recently. But he's hit, well, he hasn't hit many homers. He hit one at Fredericksburg. But his speed is there. The outfield defense is definitely there. He's a very good defender out in center. I just think he has, on a Nationals team that doesn't have a lot of great outfielders or players in general, especially after trading Juan Soto for him, I think he can definitely find a spot. And if he can hit like he did in his first full season, with uh, Lake Elsinore and Fort Wayne in the Padres system. And I think he's still shown the potential. He hasn't really fallen off. He just moved up a couple levels, and it was a little bit harder for him. I think that this Robert Hassel, the guy, Robert Hassel, the third guy, could really, really make an impact for Washington. I really like how he plays. And then moving on to our final outfielder, that is going to be a little bit down the list. And a guy that I think is very underrated, kind of like Amador Nobop really has been talking about this guy. He's been in the top 100 for it seems like a little while, but I really haven't heard anyone talk about him. It's Andy Pahez of the Dodgers. Just got promoted to play Oklahoma City. Andy Pahez looked really good. He's had some issues with average, just a fringe average hitter. But you aren't really looking for that out of Andy Pahez. Andy Pahez isn't the type of guy that you're going to be like, oh, if he doesn't hit 300, then we don't know what to do with him. 
obviously the Dodgers, they're loading them with bets. And, well, they're not really loaded anymore. They Trace Thompson and J.D. Martinez or Jason Hayward playing the outfield or maybe Chris Taylor. Andy Pays could definitely find a spot in that outfield. And so far, um, he hit 284 at Tulsa. He's played one game at Oklahoma City and didn't record a hit. But 284 at Tulsa with a 925 OPS, one of the highest of his career. We've seen that he has power potential. I mean, over his career, he's hit 89 homers. He hit 19 to lead the rookie level. Um, the I don't remember what it was called, but he played for the Ogden Raptors in that league out near – it was in the West. And he led that league in home runs. He hit 31 the next year at Great Lakes. He hit 26 last year. He's already hit – he's only hit three in 33 games. The power production is – Falling off a little bit, but even though he hit 26 home runs last year at Tulsa, and he has a higher slugging percentage than he did that or that year, so I think that's still a sign of improvement. He's still hitting balls hard. He's walked a lot more this year, cut down his strikeouts. You like to see that. He stole seven bases. He's very, he's pretty athletic. He has a cannon of an arm. He'll fit perfectly in. I mean, any spot in the outfield you want to. He's not a very good runner. He's a below-average runner. So maybe stick him in left. And if Mookie, once Mookie is gone, you have a cannon in right field. He can play in the outfield. He's shown he's capable. I really, really think that Andy Behaze has great potential and that he – um. I think he can be a starting outfield, even on a team like the Dodgers, a first-division regular he has that power. He has that. If he can turn it up a little bit, he's hitting 277 this year combined. So he shows that he can be a, an above-average hitter. I think Andy Behaze could very nicely very nicely fit into that Dodgers outfield. Okay, so to wrap up our hitters, we're going to go with another outfielder. I'm going to do a spot called DH. And I'm just going to stick a guy in there that I think we didn't get to put in another position because there was another guy, but I'm going to put him in there. It's Emmanuel Rodriguez, an outfielder for the Twins. I don't even know if he'll be at the top 100 by the time they do the re-range just because he hasn't been playing so far, so well this year. He's hitting, I believe in the, yeah, he's in a buck 63 this year with Cedar Rapids, but he's still only 20. He has time to figure it out. Last year he had 272 with a 1,043 OPS and an outrageous 492 on base percentage. He walks more than he struck out. This year, he's striking out a lot more. Has a little bit of speed. He hits a few homers. This year, 5 and 22 games. You like to see that. He has some pop in his bat. Kind of a guy that I don't think many people are talking about, but I think Emmanuel Rodriguez could sneak up on people and end up being like a top 50-ish prospect. Maybe not the kind of ceiling of a guy like I was talking about earlier, like Junior Caminero, but I really like Emmanuel Rodriguez. I think he could be a solid little player. Great on base skills as well. And then... Moving on to our right-handed pitchers now. There's a quite a few of these, but just looking down the list, the one I'm going to talk about, you have, well, I, let's just name them all first. You have Yuri Perez at six, who just got ranked, I believe, two by Kylie McDaniel the other day in his new rankings. He has a ton of upside. Andrew Painter at 10, Taj Bradley at 16, Gavin Williams at 17, Bobby Miller at 19, who just made his debut. Brandon Fodd at 31, Tanner Bybee at 32, Mick Abel at 36, Gavin Stone at 44, Owen White at 49. I'm not mentioning Owen White, but I do think Owen White is a guy that is kind of slept on. 
Max Meyer, 52, Ryan Pepio, 55, Bryce Miller, 59, who's been incredible so far. Daniel Espino at 60, who could be ranked much higher if he wasn't injured. Tink Kansas at 62, Quinn Priester at 65, Cade Horton at 66, Cake Volley at 76, Jack Lyer at 77, Brock Porter at 78, who's been pitching out of his mind this year, Brock Porter has. Dylan Lesko at 82, and Mason Miller at 95. The guy I'm going to talk about, this is a runaway for me, I don't even think it's close, is Tink Hintz of the Cardinals at number 62. Um, not a lot of people talking about him. Mason Wynn was in the same draft around the same time, and he's gotten a lot more attention. Obviously, he didn't get to play in 2020 because of the COVID year. He did not play all that good in rookie ball, Carolina. But last year, he went nuts. 1.38 ERA in 16 games. He started all of them with a 52.1 innings pitched mark. They weren't letting him go very far. In fact, they were only letting him average about three innings a game, I think at the most four. And this year, Peoria bumped up a level to highest, 3.78 ERA so far. He had a zero ERA for his first three outings. He's gotten roughed up a little bit, but they still haven't let him go any longer than four innings. He's gone three in each of his last three starts. He gave up three, or no, in three innings, he gave up four in his start against um, Cedar Rapids in the 18th, and then yesterday in a start against Great Lakes. He got three and three innings. Still not horrible, but I think Tink Kentz, he has all the tools to be a front-of-the-rotation guy and much, much higher than where they have him ranked here. If he can keep performing, the Cardinals can effectively stretch him out because he has a almost double-plus fastball. It comes on you quickly. He has a plus curveball, and then if he can get that, he has it also an above-average changeup. If he can work on that slider a little bit more, get that really good fourth secondary pitch or fourth pitch, would be his third secondary. And he has average control already. I think Tink Kent's can be a guy that can ro- um, headline that Cardinals rotation for many, many years. And I think the Cardinals are very good at developing pitching. I think Tink Kent's can be one of those guys that comes on and then all of a sudden, bam, he's in the big leagues, winning rookie of the year. Like, I think he's that good. So that's going to do it for right-handed pitchers. Let's go on to our left-handed pitchers for our last selection of this podcast. So there aren't as many left-handed pitchers. There's only five in the top 100 list. Kyle Harrison at number 15, Ricky Tiedemann at number 24, D.L. Hall at number 80, Matthew Liberatore at 90, and Andrew Abbott at 97. Liberatore and Abbott just got added. And this is more of a sleeper thing. I don't think this guy's a sleeper by any means, but I'm going to go with Ricky Tiedemann. I think Ricky Tiedemann has the highest upside, even more than potentially Kyle Harrison. He's ranked at number 24, so not really a sleeper type guy, but he has a very good fastball, devastating changeup, which you don't usually see out of guys this young. He's only 20. In AA, which is advanced, he got to AA last year after plowing his way through the previous two levels, a 2.17 ERA and 18 starts, a 1.80 at Dunedin and high A, or excuse me, low A, and in high A with Vancouver at 2.39. Pitched very well at New Hampshire, too, with 2.45. This year, he's gotten hurt. He's 0-1 with a 4.97 ERA so far in his four starts. But he had one kind of blow up in his face to kind of ruin it. 2.1 innings, two and a third, with four earned runs against Hartford. But And then he had another one when he went three and two thirds with two earned runs. Still wasn't bad. Take out that one start, and he probably has like a 2.5 ERA. Ricky Tiedemann really is a guy that I think can take off. He has that slider as well, maybe develop one more pitch, but a three pitch mix with two pl- double plus pitches in his fastball and changeup, and another above average one in his slider. 
It's a very good mix for Ricky T. I mean, he has a lot of movement on those pitches. Um, a guy that I really think the Blue Jays have developed very well, and I think he could be a front-line type of guy, if nothing else, at the very least a number three, number four starter for them. So let's go ahead and recap who we talked about in this episode. A catcher, Indy Rodriguez at first base, Kyle Manzardo at second base, Justin Foscue. Third base, Junior Caminero. Shortstop, Adele Amador. In the outfield, we have Evan Carter, Robert Hassel III, and Andy Pajes. At DH, Emmanuel Rodriguez. The right-handed pitcher, Tinkins. And the left-handed pitcher, Ricky Tiedemann. So that's a list of guys I think have the highest upside that maybe have been slept on a little bit. I don't really know the title of this episode, probably. But it kind of goes along with that. Like the sleeper upside guys who have great upside, maybe people haven't caught on to it. Yeah, there's a couple guys I think they have caught on to it, like Tiedemann and Indy Rodriguez, but for the most part, these guys I think are guys that can really jump out and make strong, have very strong years. Some of them already are, and can end up playing their way either onto the top 100 prospects list, as is the case with Foskey, or even graduate, or play their way much higher onto the top 100 prospects list. But thank you for listening to this first episode of the Prospects and Pros podcast. Leave a rating if you liked it, and thank you for listening. See you in episode two.